Welcome to Finally Alive Radio with Pastoral Counselor Gary Harris. To find out more, please go to finallyaliveradio.com. Okay, so we're going to go to Acts 8. That's where we stop. We stop at Acts 7. But before we go to Acts 8, let's look at a couple verses in the Gospels. Let's go to John chapter 4. So we're going to look at a couple different verses right now because we're going to talk about Samaria and Samaritans, right? That's what's in uh, Acts 8. But just to kind of give you a, it's kind of like a quick background. I mean, again, I don't think it's something brand new to you guys, but still worth kind of touching on it. Samaria is is obviously um, uh, you know outside the outer cores, if you will. It's it's outside the main region. And what happens in Samaria is way way back in the days, I guess we could say so, some of Israel was was taken there uh, when Assyria captures or well Assyria basically is taking over the the scene. So they take some of the Jews and they leave them there. So what happens is over time these Jews are like kind of like half breeds. Okay, that's that's what they would have actually considered them. I'm not just saying that just to be mean. They would have considered them just like these half breeds. So because you're a half-breed, from the Israelites' perspective, you're a half-breed, so you're not one of us. So that's some of the stuff we'll see here in the Gospel. So if you go to John chapter 4, and you guys are all familiar with this story, but we'll just kind of read through these as quickly as we can. So John 4, verse 1, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making, making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria, and that's what we're talking about. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near uh, the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. And and you guys know the story. I don't want to go too far into the story. But, you know, he draws water. He wants something to drink. She gets the revelation here, right, of of who he is. In fact, verse 9 the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. That's a big deal. All right, so already Israel, the Jews, do not accept these Samaritans. You're outsiders. We don't like your kind. It's really that attitude. All right, so that's that's one example there. Uh, let's see, I'll fast forward really quick here to verse, verse 19. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And that's one of the differences. That's one of the things that the Samaritans had different. The Samaritans actually have, uh, I guess, most of the Old Testament, but it's kind of, it's, it's kind of their version. You get Aramaic over there, Aramaic, Arabic, um, different languages over there. But they actually believe they're the ones who have the truth and not Israel. So that's, that's just the way they see this. So that's why she's naming her own places. We have our own places here. But no, that's not the place. That's No, you're, you're wrong. That's the problem. Okay, so that's the issue with Samaritans from the Jewish perspective. All right, Ch- take a look at uh, Luke chapter 9. We'll just hit a couple quick uh, verses here on the way. Luke chapter 9. Okay, v- uh, verse 51. So, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. So check it out. Even when you go to Samaria, because they know you're going to Jerusalem, you're not going to be treated nicely. So do you see the contention? There, there's like this, this fight that, that's continually going on. I just want to hit some main verses there, but um, let's go to chapter 10 also. But I'm just hitting the main verses because this is not the point. I just want you guys to get some background on Samaria and the Samaritans. Uh, well, I'm not going to read chapter 10, but that's the story of the Good Samaritan. You guys know that. And why is that so edgy? 
because we are not good with Samaritans. But what happens in the story, the Samaritan's a good guy. So that's a problem, all right? That's a problem to them. You don't say stories like that. You don't make them the good guys because they're not. That's the way that they would have perceived it. Finally, Matthew 10, I'll, I'll end on this, then we go to Matthew 10. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The name of the 12 apostles, there they are. I'm not going to read them all. Verse 5. These 12 Jesus sent out, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles, so who, Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. All right, so even Jesus, in that moment, in that time, he says, leave them out. Okay, so that background, okay, keep that in your mind. Now we go to Acts uh, chapter 8. That's that's where we left off. That is, is an important piece because they're, they're outsiders, they're enemies, might as well consider them, consider them Gentiles. They're not one of us, okay? All right, so Acts chapter uh, 8, verse 1, now we continue. And, and if you remember the backstory, Stephen is stoned, right? You guys remember that? Stephen gets stoned because of, uh, the, the, well, the story he gives them. And he calls them out on it. Guys, I know your background, I know who you guys are. We're, the, we're of the same kind, but guess what? You guys are messing up because you don't understand the Messiah is here. Just like in the Old Testament, you guys are no different. He even calls them um, stiff-necked. You guys are stiff-necked, no different than your own ancestors. It's like, whoa, bro, like, that's like the worst yo mama comeback ever, right? And the guy gets killed, all right? So, and then here we have verse, so Acts 7:58. And they cast him out out of the city and stoned him. That's Stephen being stoned. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. So now we're going to have Saul come in, not in this uh, chapter yet, in chapter 8, but in chapter 9 we'll have him. So that's the background, okay? Just kind of bringing you back. All right, Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Oy. I feel like I was like just flying through that one, guys. Sorry. But uh, all right, Acts 8, verse 1. And Saul, okay, this is who we know as Paul, and Saul approved of his execution. So what's Saul doing? He's doing what any good Pharisee does, all right? He's a problem. He's a nuisance to our God, to Yahweh, and we got to get rid of him. And he does that. He does exactly. In fact, no, it's not just that. He made a public show, right? And if we don't do something about this guy, well, guess what happens? We, we lose control and all, all these kinds of different things, right? It's, it's a disrespect. So, yeah, Stephen's got to go. Saul approves it. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except for the apostles. A couple of interesting things in that verse already is, one, persecution is happening at the church, and then it says they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Now, if you look at Acts 1.8, which, that's kind of, I just realized it's, it's backwards. Uh, we're in Acts 8.1. If you go to Acts 1.8, that's a weird one. Okay, I, I just realized that. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. It's kind of a weird moment there. You named some interesting places there, Jesus. So back to, go backwards, uh, Acts, Acts 8, 1. So here's what's happened so far, if you remember the story. The Spirit falls, speaking in tongues, people are hearing it, people are, are being saved, 3,000 are saved. Okay, all these great things are happening. Why? Because God is reclaiming His people, right? The doors have opened, and guess what? They're still open today. That's That's this is still happening today, where people are still being saved. That's the whole point. Until what? Well, one, one answer is until Jesus comes back, but it's really, like Paul says, until the fullness of the Gentiles. All right? There, there's still, the, we haven't hit that cap yet. Uh, you know, clearly Jesus hasn't come back yet. So we haven't hit the, the cap yet. The fullness of the Gentiles to this day has not happened or has not been completed. But we're not even talking Gentiles here yet. I hope you've realized, or I think we've talked about this, but 
Up until now, we haven't talked Gentiles. In fact, this chapter, there's nothing Gentile about this chapter. There's no Gentiles being saved yet. It's only Jews. And remember, this this still connects to Acts, uh, I'm sorry, Acts, uh, not Acts, Genesis 10. If you remember the table of the nations, I know I, I mentioned this, but there's this weird connection to the table of the nations. The idea is we lost them at Babel and God's saying, I want you guys back. This is the beginnings of that, and it's still being completed today. Does that make sense? I'll explain that more after if you guys want. All right, so back to Acts 8.1. They were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, just like Jesus says in Acts 1.8. Except the apostles. Why didn't the apostles leave? Why weren't they scattered? Well, where's the church? Jerusalem. So they're going to stay there. That's where they're called to be, so that's where they're going to stay. Okay. Verse 2. Devout men uh, buried Stephen and made a great lamentation over him. Okay, good. But Saul was ravaging the churches, or the church, and entering house after house. Why would he enter house after house? What? He's looking for something, yes. But the idea is, where were the churches? House, in all the houses. Does that make sense? So he's going into the houses. What is he looking for? An item? No. This is where you guys gather to to do church. I'm going to go find you guys. You see what he's doing? So that's, that's the idea. House to house is that's where the churches are. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Verse 4, but those who were scattered uh, went about preaching the word. So again, this is that whole Judea and Samaria. It's Jesus' words happening right before them. So what happened? Think about it. God uses this horrible moment of them being scattered, right? Some people going to prison. Horrible. Oh my gosh, why would that happen? But it had to happen. Otherwise, the people wouldn't be scattered into where? Judea and Samaria. God has a plan. So this is kind of a weird side note, but I hope it makes sense. When stuff is happening in our lives, when it's not making sense, there is, a, there is a, you know, a, what do they call it? A method to the madness. There, there is something that God might, most likely is doing. Most likely is doing. I'm going to say that again. Most likely is doing. Now those who, uh, who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip, all right, so this is, a, I guess, a new name. Uh, but Philip, remember in Acts, uh, was it 6? When, when they choose the, uh, the deacons, remember that? We have the widows. Who's going to take care of the widows? Let's go pick the seven, right? He's one of them. So Philip went down to the city of where? Of Samaria. Here we go. And proclaimed them the Christ. Now that's a crazy line. You got to realize if they read this back in those days, it's like, whoa, did you went to Samaria? Why would you go there? What are you, crazy? Think about it. Jesus even said it in Acts 1.8. Judea and Samaria. Even they will, will get this word. Why? Because... They were a part of us. Yeah, they're, they're okay, well, half-breeds, as, as they would have called them. But it doesn't matter. My kids are still there. I'm going to go get them. All right? That's what God does. He's reclaiming his. All right? So Philip went down to, uh, to the city of Samaria and pro- proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds, with one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs. And that, that's, that's a key thing you'll notice. Preaching... And uh, t- preaching, teaching, and miracles usually have this, this connection, um, especially in, in, the, in the Bible here. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many uh, who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there's, there's your details of things that were being done in the day. So there was much joy in that city. That's interesting. You know, when God shows up, there's, there's joy. I like, I like that word. It's not happiness. Happiness is different than joy. Joy is, is it's, it's something of God. All right, anyway, verse 9. But there was a man named Simon. So here, here's a new character. Who's a Simon guy? Uh, who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. So this Simon guy, there, there's actually writings about him in other books, like esoteric, like weird kind of books. 
So this guy is actually famous um, in, other, in other circles, not in our circle, but in other circles. So big deal, all right? This, is a big, this guy is supposed to be a big deal, all right? They all paid attention to him. And the idea is, it's, it sounds funny, but it, they all paid attention as a guy, they gave him importance. That's why you pay attention, right? It's either important or it makes, you know, makes some sort of sense. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. Now, when was the last time you heard someone call someone great? Okay, so let's start with where is he? Samaria. Simon. This guy's a big deal, okay, even in other writings. But who calls someone great? So there's something that we've lost in translation here. So what happens is in Aramaic writings, Targums. In Aramaic, what happens is the word El, I forgot what the word was in Aramaic. I'm not an expert at that. But uh, anyway, the, the word, uh, well, El, you know that in Hebrew, right? Uh, God, El, is uh, sometimes translated into the word great. So you're like, wait, what the heck? You're calling this guy God. You're calling him El. What is going on here? Do you guys see a problem with that? So think about it. Remember the backstory. Samaritans believe that they have the truth. They have the true God. And this guy, Simon, is walking in this, and notice the word it used, magic. Um, and you'll notice this in the Bible. Whenever it says the word magic, it's usually not God. And whenever it uses the word miracle, it is God. Just a, just a side note, okay? But magic is happening through this guy, and they're calling this guy great. Another way of saying in the Aramaic, God. What's the idea here? Think of, think of what's happening. It's God wrapped in flesh. Does that sound like someone you know? Do you see what just happened? Simon, he's not just some, some just magician. They actually believe he is Jesus, okay? The Messiah, all right? So why do they pay attention to him? Because they actually think he's Jesus or a type of Jesus. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. Remember we talked about the name? I'm not going to drill you on that again, but I want you guys to notice when it, when it says that, the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Now, pause there. What, what have you got so far? Simon is what? They believe Simon to be who? The Messiah. And Philip shows up and talks about the real Messiah. And what happens next? People are being saved. Uh-oh. Think of the story. Why would they even mention this part? couple things. Simon, he's not the real Messiah. Let's start there. Philip, representing the Messiah, shows up and things change all of a sudden. And then, we're not done yet. Look at the next verse, in verse 13. What does it say? Even Simon himself believed. That is the biggest blow that you can take. Because yes, Samaritans, God bless you, but you know what? That wasn't the Messiah. This is. And the one you guys used to call great, right, or El, right, in Hebrew, isn't El. It's not God. In fact, the moment he hears it, he ends up believing. Talk about conquer, right? So even Simon himself believed. So here's a weird moment, guys, because... I've always looked at this Simon guy as this jerk. How dare you? You know, who do you think you are? That's just the way I've looked at this guy, right? He's, he does magic, right? Uh, and you guys know the story here, so I'll, I'll keep going. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip. So did you guys even realize that? Simon believed, but also got baptized. What does that say? This guy actually believes. He really does. He's doing all this. He's making a public show of it. Why would he do that? And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent, they sent to them Peter and John. Why do you think they did that? Peter and John, uh, well, they know what's up. And dude, Samaria, like Samaria? Why'd you go to Samaria? All right, well, Peter and John, well, you, you go and check what's going on. That's, that's, that's all that, that is. Peter and John, let's send them because they'll be able to tell 
if it, this is of God or if it isn't. That's what we want to know. Is this of God or not? Samaria is not a good place. They were our enemies, right? All right, so Peter and John, they're on their way. Verse 15, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had uh, only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So, so that's an interesting thing there, kind of side note for us as, as believers. Being baptized in, in, in Christ is a part of it, but the rest of it is being baptized in the Holy Spirit. All right, and that's why they're going, to lay on the hands to receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that, that is part of any, any Christian, you know, any, any believer's walk, is that not only do you receive, get, get baptized, but you also want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's the whole Acts 1-8, you'll receive power idea. Then uh, they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. There it is. Now, here's Simon again. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. Oh, you dummy. Simon, come on, dude. So think about it, guys. This is the guy, at least I'll speak for myself, this is the guy I've always beat up. All right, Simon, you idiot. First of all, you're a magician. All right, you're doing magic. And now you're trying to offer money for the Holy Spirit. You fool, you idiot. That's, that's me thinking out loud. I also forgot that part about he also believed. And he was also baptized. Now think about it. Now th- let's think of it in, in today's terms. Let's say a brand new you know, person comes in. They, let's say they were into witchcraft. Let's just get crazy, all right? They were into witchcraft. And they come in here and they say, I believe. And they go in here and they get baptized. Do you think their brain is, is like, has, has even caught up to the Spirit? No, they're still thinking that they're their old way. They, they just got baptized. They just came out. They're still dripping wet. Give them a second. And what do we do? Oh man, how dare you? What do you think you're doing? Now, Peter, Peter, he's not wrong. Let's, let's keep reading. Watch how Peter handles this. This is, this is very important. So verse 19 saying, give me this power. So he, he offers them, Simon offers them money, right? Saying, give me this power also so that anyone on whom I lay my hands uh, may receive the Holy Spirit. Why would he say that? Because he's still Simon. All because you receive the Spirit doesn't mean you're not, you're not you anymore. Okay, God hasn't finished washing you yet. In fact, he hasn't even started with this guy yet. Verse 20, and here, here's that line, or the, the, the verse. But Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you. Because you thought you could obtain the gift of God. What's the gift of God? The Holy Spirit. You thought you could obtain the Holy Spirit with money. Basically, how dare you? Who do you think you are? You have neither part nor lot in this matter. Now this, I, I want to kind of take a second, an extra couple seconds on this, because right there, you have neither part nor lot in this matter, meaning you're not part of the ministry. You're not part of us right now. That's way different than, remember Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira? They do something, an instant death <laughs> happens. Simon offers money for the Holy Spirit, but he doesn't die. What's, what's that all about? You guys remember the high-handed sin that we were talking about? High-handed, high-handed sins? You guys remember that? Big difference, uh, it looks like. It's, it's real simple. Ananias and Sapphira, it was their intention, intention. They were doing it on purpose. Whereas Simon, this guy here, he just got baptized. He doesn't know any better. But he still gets a verbal, you know, uh, verbal beating, if I could say it like that. So, you know, you have no part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right. Your intentions are bad. All right, that's what he's telling him before God. Now look at verse 22. What is, mine starts off with a word. What does yours start off with? A specific word. Repent. See, this is powerful. I mean, again, this is just Gary speaking. I always threw Simon out. Forget this guy. You know, how dare you uh, offer money? But wait a minute. Peter tells him, no, how dare you? But the next verse, the next sentence, what does he say? You better repent. See, this is important for us as believers to understand. The new, what we call a baby Christian, the baby Christian isn't going to know any better. Even if they're into witchcraft, all right, which we are against and I'm against. All right, that's not of God. 
But let's go, let's go to an extreme. If, if, a, if a witch shows up in here, right, and they're saved, you can't expect them to, to know what to do. They'll, they'll probably still bring their sage in here, you know? I don't know. I'm, just, I'm making it up. I don't know. Give them a break, all right? You're allowed to rebuke them in, in a good way. And, you, know, you, know, it may, you know, it's got to make sense, all right? But you can also give them a chance, hey, man, don't do that. You know, kind of basically repent. Don't, don't do that anymore, all right? Don't do that. So notice what he does. You're not part of this ministry if you're going to do that, is what he says. So repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. So this guy gets a chance to repent. Verse 23, for I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. So he's calling them out. Simon answered, look at what he says. What does he come back with? Pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. I mean, I'm no expert, but that sounds like a repentance, all right? He, I think he's realizing, oh man, whoops, that was, that was a dumb mistake. What an idiot I was, right? You can't buy the Holy Spirit, guy. You just can't do it. But at least he's realizing it. Okay, so this is what happens with, with a brand new Christian, baby Christians. They don't know anything, all right? You can't expect a baby Christian to, to even try, you know, steak. Now, when they had uh, testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. That's a, that's a big deal, man. That's a big deal. Samaritans are supposed to be the enemies, and they're going there? And then on the way, who do we see? Simon, the guy they call great. And then the one they call great... A.K.A. L. Right or you know, ends up believing. Talk about a victory, man! So that's part of the proof for the reader. Like, oh my gosh, why would you go to the Samaria? Oh wait, what? You guys, you, that guy converted? Are you serious? Wow, God's really moving. That's what they that they would have taken from this. I can't believe what I'm reading. This is amazing. That's what they would have taken away, because it is. It's absolutely amazing. All right, verse uh, 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. So notice, have you guys noticed? It's just places after places after places after places. Why? Because that word needs to get out there. That fire that they experienced, you know, metaphorically speaking, right? It need, it's it's got to spread. Yeah, even to Samaria, to, to, to Samaria, remember? Judea to Samaria, you know? And now where's it going? It's going down south. It's going down south, right? Okay. And he rose and went, verse 27, there was an, an Ethiopian, something kind of, Funny, uh, I don't know if it's funny, but interesting. Kind of threw me off, right? Ethiops. Ethiops is the word. Ethiopians. Uh, the, the main word is uh, uh, in Greek is Ethiops. Ethiops means burned, and in this case, it's an Ethiops man. So it's a, it's like a burned man or a burned face. That was weird. When I, I'm like, whoa, that's kind of today. That would be called racist, right? You can't say stuff like that. But I'm just telling you the language, guys. I'm just saying what it is. But that's interesting. That that's the the idea of Ethiopian actually comes well, at least with the, with a Greek, is from Ethiops. Which is burnt, the idea of burnt. They're, they're classifying it in the way that they can see it. So let's, okay, oh man, now we have to do this, don't we? They weren't racists, okay? They're not racist. It's not a racial thing. They're just explaining what they see, all right? All right, so, okay, so, and he rose and went, and there was an uh, Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. So this, this, is, this is a higher up guy, right? The Ethiopian, a eunuch. And, and, and that's, that's a typical thing we've seen in the Old Testament. When you're a eunuch, you, you work for the, I was going to call the ministry, but the royal ministry, right? The, the royals, right? You work for the royals. Um, typical. So, so interesting. This is another case where you see the, the upper echelon, the uppers, um, the, the top tier, get the word of God. That's an important thing. How, how better to, to spread this word than top down? You, you guys see another instance of that. 
queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. You guys, have, I'm sure, well, maybe some of you guys have heard about the Ark of the Covenant, right? It's supposed to be somewhere in, somewhere down there, I don't know. It isn't, <laughs> let's, just, let's just say it, it isn't, but there's a lot of stuff. They'll, they'll try to connect verses like this, or they'll say like this queen of uh, the Ethiopians has some sort of connection with the queen of Sheba and all the, anyway, it's totally a side, side note. Sorry, but for the record, guys, it's, it's, the Ark is not there, all right? It hasn't been found, it's not there. Anyway. Yeah, I just have to get that off my chest. So, Queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure, he had um, he had come to Jerusalem to worship. So, that one verse, an Ethiopian coming to Jerusalem to worship. Did you guys catch that? To us, it's not weird. To them, that's weird. So, this guy is a eunuch, but he's converted. What? And where does the Spirit of God lead Philip? Was it Philip? To the Ethiopian, who's going to Jerusalem to worship. So, verse 28... He had uh, come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. That's an interesting book to read. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. What does it say next? So Philip what? He ran. Does your say run? So Philip ran. Verse 30. Philip ran. I like that picture. They're, they're like a, it, it left a picture in my head. I would hope that that's what we do with God's Word and, and what God puts on our heart. Take what He gives us and run with it. And that's so important. It's not. I'm not going to lollygag. I'm not just going to, oh, well, okay, I'll, I'll get to it. No, no. Philip got the word and he ran. Here's another thought. Why do you think God chose Philip and not somebody else? Because he would run. You know why? Because that's obviously what was uh, appropriate in the moment. So I would encourage us, you know, in here, look, when the word of God comes to you, when God gives you something, when he, he puts something on your heart, definitely get the directions right, but then run. Take that and run with it. So Philip ran, ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? Great question. And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come and sit with him. And who is this again? The Ethiopian, who's a convert. So remember, go out into all the world and preach the gospel. Do you see how it's all starting to happen? It's growing, guys. I hope you guys are seeing this. It started where? Jerusalem? Oh my gosh, look at this. It's telling you cities on purpose to show you how much this thing is growing. It's on fire. It, I mean, not literally, but you guys understand. Metaphorically, it's on fire. It's going all over the place. So no one guides him. He invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Verse 32. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb, before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth in his humiliation. Justice was denied him. Who can, who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. It sounds a little bit different, but it's, it's Isaiah 53, the suffering servant. Part of the reason why it sounds a little different is, is probably Septuagint stuff. I, I think there's a little, uh, there's got to be some influence there. Anyway, verse 34. And the eunuch said to him, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? Great question. Talk about God's timing, man. <laughs> like, what a verse to be reading. But do you see why he had to run? It sounds silly, but when you kind of sit down and like really you know think about it, he had to run because he was reading the perfect part. And that was the perfect question to ask about the perfect person. Perfect timing, right? God's timing. But you know what? You've got to run sometimes. About whom, <clears throat> I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about uh, someone else? Great question. Then Philip opened his mouth and began, uh, be, uh, beginning with scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Because the suffering servant is Jesus. I mean, no, no news here, but anyway, that's for our Jewish friends, I guess. 
And as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? Sometimes we have to run, guys. We have to run because he's at the perfect verse right where he needs to be. And he's so moved by this to understand who this suffering servant is of Isaiah 53. He even wants to get baptized. He's ready. So again, I encourage you guys, when God gives you something, sometimes you have to run. And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and and the eunuch, and he baptized him. You know what that is? It's another score. That's what he's saying. It's another score. And look where he's from. The eunuch, and not just some old, you know, random old eunuch or just random old Ethiopian. The guy works for royalty. I mean, this this is getting everywhere. It's happening. It's it's spreading, guys. That's what he's saying. And he commanded the chariot. Oh, we read that. Um, got baptized, verse 39. And when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. Well, that's kind of weird, right? And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. Don't ask me to explain that. I don't know how that works. Uh, but he was carried away, all right? But Philip found uh, himself at Azotus. What is Azotus? Never heard of that place, and I don't, it doesn't even sound like a vacation spot I'd want to go to. As he, uh, as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So Philip goes south, and then Azotus is actually up north. Azotus, I believe, oh geez, it slips my mind, but I think it has a connection with, with Nephilim and Goliath and, and some of those strange characters. And he sends him up there. The, the idea is that the place wasn't a good place. It was like almost like pure evil, if you will. I mean, think Goliath, think Nephilim. That's like just pure evil to, to the, the Israelite. And he sends him there. He's like, okay, next stop, uh, that evil place that everyone doesn't like. You're going there. And what happens there? As he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. All up until now, it's been Jews who have been saved. He gets to Azotus. All right, and I, I believe, if, if I remember correctly, oh, it's, I don't know why it slips my mind, but there, there must have been still some Jews there because the next chapter is when Saul is introduced. And then that's when we get the introduction to Gentiles actually starting to be, be saved. So what Jesus said in Acts 1, uh, what Jesus commanded in the Gospels, go out into all the world and preach the Gospel, that wasn't asking for a favor. That was a command. And they're doing that command as we speak. Does that make sense? So I want you guys to see what's happened. It's very important that you guys see the Jews first and then the Greeks. It's just happening like that. But it had to start like that, right? Had to be opened up to, to the Jews first. And it's not until they, well, we'll see, but uh, it's not until they start to, to not accept it or the new ones, there aren't any more converts. And then, we'll, well, you know, then we move on to the Gentiles. Anyway, you guys know the story, but we'll read that as we keep going. Thank you for listening to today's message. 2 Corinthians 9-7 tells us that each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. If this message has been a blessing to you, we ask that you be a cheerful giver to this ministry by going to finallyalive.com forward slash give. We'll meet you again next time as we grow together and learn to be finally alive in Christ.